Well, one of the things I really encourage people to do is take an opportunity, if there is one, whether through your church or through another organization, to go overseas, not with the idea, I'm going to teach people a lot of things, but what can I learn? This is From Paint to Purpose, a podcast by FCP Services, where we believe people drive growth. Exploring topics related to company culture, leadership, and construction industry insights. Now your host, John Barsness. Gary, why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about your uh, the work that you've been doing uh, in your career. Kind of give us the, uh, the as much detail as you want about where you started, uh, how that journey has gone, and where God's led you, and, and what you're doing today. Okay. Well, it's great to be here, John. Um, to begin uh, my journey, well, I grew up in uh, just north of here, about 60 miles, 70 miles, in a small town, Pine City, on a farm, uh, the oldest of 12. Um, lot, a lot of times I say, I, am, uh, I have six brothers, and each of my brothers have five sisters. And uh, I've used that uh, phrase to... People give me a second look and wonder, wait a minute, how many, how many, wait a minute, I don't quite, but I just uh, have had fun with that. I went to Oak Hills uh, Bible College in Bemidji uh, for three years, and then I came down to the university and uh, was involved there uh, with Campus Crusade at the time. And I've... Since that time, I've been involved with Campus Crusade. Now it'll be 50 years, starting in uh, July of this year. My wife and I have been in various situations with Crew. It's called Crew now. Um, and we start out in Philadelphia, a city of brotherly shove. If you, uh, coming from the Midwest, going to the East was quite an adjustment for me. But I was working with international students there, uh, working with them. And then we moved to Milwaukee uh, and had a great time there with college students. And then we moved to Minnesota in 81 and began working with adults in the business profession. It was Here's Life America. And uh, we were uh, doing various things in the whole area of developing men, I was working with men, my wife with women, developing men and women to be leaders in, the, whether it be in the home or in industry or in business, but it's been a great uh, time. And we've been in various ministries within uh, crew during that time. In the 90s, we were involved with a group called Promise Keepers. I don't know if you're familiar with that, where we had... Uh, guys coming to the Metrodome, and we filled the Metrodome three times, three years in a row when I was uh, involved with them. And what I was doing there was doing training and helping men to lead groups of other men in becoming leaders in their home. And because I think that's one of the areas that we really need men who will step up and lead not only in their home and business, but they have are men of integrity. And in the last few years, I've been involved with a group that uh, we still continue to 
mentor and disciple men to be leaders in their churches, in their homes, in their businesses, with the idea that they would develop other men who would be leaders as well. And that's what I've been doing for the last number of years. And you started out, when you started out, it sounds like you were on college campuses uh, working with international students. Where was the heart to, to work with international students? Where did that come from? Well, that came from when my wife and I were involved with, uh, uh, at Oak Hills, I met her there. Uh, we had a, developed a um, passion for people uh, other than ourselves. Uh, and so my wife wanted to be go to Africa, and I wanted to be involved in working with, uh, in the whole area of teaching. That was uh, what I got my degree in uh, from Minnesota was to teach. But I am, I've never uh, taught uh, a year as far as in, uh, in uh, high school or colleges, but I've been teaching ever since. Uh, leading groups, teaching seminars. Uh, it's been, it's, my heart is reaching out to people who have, um, who need help uh, develop as leaders. And we always have had a mission or a heart for people outside in the missions area. In fact, during our time here in Minnesota, We've been on numerous trips to other countries. The first, country, uh, first place we went was to Kenya. Uh, after my wife's parents passed away, they left us a small inheritance. And we decided, rather than just putting all the money away for uh, a house or something else, we were going to use part of it for education for not only ourselves, but for our kids. So we took our three kids with us, with a group of uh, 11 others, and we went to Kenya, and we were showing the Jesus film in some of the villages. But just to see people's response and excitement about reaching out and helping others have a sense of purpose and meaning. You know, I, I think what uh, Pascal said, um, you know, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that cannot be filled by anything other than Jesus Christ. And so God has to fill that vacuum that many people are, as they're looking for purpose and meaning. And I think that's my whole goal, is to help people find their purpose in life and then begin to step into it, to find how God makes a difference as they pursue the, their dreams that God has put on their heart. Well, that's a it's it's a fantastic uh, uh, testimony to where God has led your heart uh, all these years. Are there some stories that stand out to you in some of the trips that you guys took uh, as missionaries in in uh, um, in in various countries? Well, the first one to uh, Kenya was a real uh, great opportunity. It had never, as far as I know, had never been done before. But uh, I, we had some contact with uh, some national leaders in Kenya, and I connected with other people within crew, and we just started doing the Jesus film at that time. And I asked if it would be possible for us to bring some people to just observe how it happens uh, over there. 
And at that time, the Jesus film was on four reels, 16 millimeters. And so we were carrying a projector, a screen, um, and we put up the screen. Uh, it was just a sheet, basically, on poles that we set up, and people could sit on either side of the screen and view the film. And then we'd had a, a speaker with the film as it was going. And just to see how people responded to a simple little film about the life of Christ was amazing. And that was uh, just the beginning. We, uh, another highlight was we uh, were involved back in the 90s, right after the Iron Curtain fell, and we were some of the first ones into the country of Romania. And it was less than a year after Ceausescu had been uh, killed. We were in the country. And we, when we came, we brought um, food and clothing because when we got to Romania, we, if you we went into the stores, the shelves were empty. There was nothing on the shelves. And early in the morning, people would line up outside the bakery to get bread. Um, it was uh, really amazing just to see um, how uh, the, the people had been basically raped to provide Ch uh, Ceausescu with his luxuries because he had, I don't know how many different palaces within the country, and he was building a huge uh, building right in uh, Bucharest. And, uh, but he, the people had very little but they were hungry uh, for truth. They were hungry for where, where's meaning in life. We have nothing, but we want, we want to know what our purpose is. And we spent a couple of years going back and forth to Romania with uh, different laymen and women who would go. They would uh, observe what was going on. They would share their testimony. Uh, we'd be in schools, we were in factories, we were in, in even uh, uh, hospitals, uh, just talking with various people. One of the, on one of the trips, our, one, of our, one of the guys I was with, he was uh, very interested in uh, being able to uh, take pictures so he could uh, share back home what was going on. Well, we happened to be in Cluj. And we were walking along the roads and, uh, in a police station or army barracks. They were slaughtering a hog. So he started taking pictures. We went less than three blocks, and all of a sudden somebody was yelling at us. We didn't know what they were saying. They Come on back. They took us into the barracks. And... They didn't, they didn't have anyone who spoke English, so they had to get someone to come in. And so the three of us were sitting in this um, uh, station wondering, what's going to happen? And, and the guy who was taking pictures got so nervous, they said, give me your camera. And he says, well, can, uh, can I help? And he opened his camera, exposed everything, and gave him the film. <laughs> But we sat there wondering. We had we had only just gotten into the country uh, or into the city about uh, three hours before that, and we we knew who our host was, but we didn't remember his last name. And they says, "Well, who are you staying with?" 
well, Watsy, but what's his last name? We don't know. And so we were sitting there, you know, what's going to happen to us? You know, we, all of a sudden you're walking on the street and all of a sudden you disappear. You're out of sight. You, you know, you begin thinking, is this what, how is this going to end? But it was, uh, we ended up having a good time. But I mean, you get all kinds of different types of experiences. We've uh, been in India a couple of times training nationals how to uh, lead in using the materials that we had developed um, back in the early 2000. And it, just to see the hunger, the thirst to become men of God and men who lead, taking the forefront, not only in their homes, but in the positions that they had within the ministry of Campus Crusade. But there's, I could uh, go on for hours just telling you stories of some of the uh, situations that we found ourselves in. Uh, it was, it's, you know, it's amazing. It really is, the opportunities that we've had. And so when you've had those experiences and then you come back to the United States where we have so many more freedoms, especially when it comes to religion, what, what, what are some of the, the messages that you bring back uh, to those who, uh, who might have a heart for missionary work uh, and, and being able to share with them some of the things that you guys have experienced on the short trips that you've taken? Well, what, one of the things I really encourage people to do is take an opportunity if there is one, whether through your church or through another organization, to go overseas, not with the idea, I'm going to teach people a lot of things, but what can I learn? What, what do they have to teach me? They have so much to teach us because uh, on a number of the trips, they have so little, but they give so much to us. And there's so much joy in some of the lives of the people who have found real purpose and meaning in their life and they're, as they're transferring it and sharing it with others. It's, it's exciting to see that when we have so much and sometimes we're so selfish with it, we, uh, and you see what, how people who have so little are willing to give, it just gives you a different perspective of what life is uh, all about. It's not about attaining things, but it's... Uh, uh, inner purpose, inner uh, meaning that we can have to grow and develop as an individual ourselves. Yeah, it's amazing how much we, you know, even in, the, in this country we have poverty, but it's not nearly the, the abject poverty that many other countries have. Even our, our, our poorest here uh, would tend to be in the middle class, at least, if not more, in, uh, in other countries. That is for sure. Uh, we're... When I consider you and I, you're in the top, we're in the top uh, half a percent of the world when you consider just wealth. Uh, if you look at some of the countries and some of the areas, like we've been in Haiti, and, and that's right here in our Western Hemisphere, but it's a very poor country. And they've had uh, various leadership that has basically robbed the common people of so much. And we were in Haiti right after the earthquake uh, that went through the country and uh, buildings completely demolished and people living in tar, well, not even a tar paper. It's uh, those blue 
uh, canvas that you see covering materials. Some people were living in houses in, in like that, or they'll have tin roof. Uh, or the, if they had tin roof, that was a nice roof. Some of them had cardboard up there trying to keep the rain out. But, you know, you, you begin to see how fortunate we as individuals are to have the freedoms and the uh, abilities that we have here in this country. And and so speaking of that, as you've worked and ministered to to men of all ages and and in all uh, economic situations here in the United States, particularly here in Minnesota, uh, talk to us a little bit about what some of the uh, opportunities that you've experienced working with these men as you've helped to to uh, grow them as leaders in their homes and and in industry. For our organization here, uh, we are leading through our values, which. Uh, all of us on the leadership team and the ownership group are uh, are Christians, and we want to make sure that we uh, are leading forward with our faith and 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 treating our company as a as a gift from that it is from God. And so, talk to me a little bit about what you've done with leaders in in uh, um, both in their homes and and in the industries that they are are a part of. Okay, well, you know, one of the things we have been able to do is to develop materials that help men to, first of all, be grounded in their own personal faith, and then secondly, be able to take that out to others. And what I find is that many men, uh, when it comes to understanding their faith, have questions that they cannot answer because they haven't had the time to, either they haven't taken the time or they've been so busy they don't have the time to examine more clearly what their faith is all about, or if they even have faith. You know, is there a God? Is there, do we have purpose and meaning? What is my purpose in life? Where, where do I go? Uh, where do I find that meaning? And so I spend a lot, much of my time just helping uh, men develop biblical uh, understanding of who they are and how they God has designed them to be leaders in their homes and in their places of employment, whether they're the the top leader or just the middle leader. We all have places that we can grow and develop. This morning, before I even came down here, I was with a group of five men, and we were just doing a, a study on on from the book of Ephesians about how we ha- God has reached out through to us through his son Jesus Christ and has chosen us to be holy and blameless and how do how do we demonstrate that in our homes and in our business that we are blameless that we're that we're important that God has uh, loved us so much that he would give us the opportunity to know him and make him known and as you're working with men, especially in the workplace, how are they? What questions do they have about how they're able to lead forward with their faith in an, in an environment that may not be uh, as open about uh, having people walk in their faith in in those environments? What kind of lessons have you have you been able to both learn from them and uh, share with them as they try to lead through their faith in their workplace? Well, it, it's not always easy to step up and say much in the workplace because of certain conditions that exist. And so 
one of the things uh, that I really emphasize is having being real, uh, and by that I mean understanding who you are and then being real with the people that you're around and showing them love in even in small ways uh, with other employees, how they treat them, how they respond to people. Uh, but you know, each each person is unique, and God has gifted each person in a unique way to uh, be able to respond in different ways. But are are we responding in a sense of love, encouragement? Are we are we really serving other people the way uh, we can? And you know. I think of how Jesus, when he says, I didn't come to serve, be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom. And so how can we uh, serve, serve our families, serve the company, serve the people in the company? And it might be in small ways, but just showing love in ways that God has shown his love to us. And so for those men out there who are in a, in a workplace and are looking and seeking opportunities to uh, grow further in their own faith so that they can reach out to others, what are some, uh, what's, a, what, what's a place that they can start in that journey? Well, first of all, I think um, if people, if individuals take time individually to seek God, um, whether it's personally spending some time reading some verses or some devotionals. And then there's other guys in the workplace that you can connect with too, because I know there are, there's more than just our, our group uh, with uh, crew working with men in the workplace to uh, help them to develop and grow personally so that they can reach out to the people around them. And I would say uh, look for opportunities to be involved whether it's in a small group in your company, whether it's a small group in your church. Uh, but I think being together with a small group of men makes it possible for you to share some of this, not only the struggles, but the victories that you see in your life. Because we're all going to face uh, issues, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in the community, um, that you have to work through. And, you know, being with a group of other people who have a uh, similar faith uh, as you, whether it's in your church or a group like uh, CBMC or uh, Crew or um, I think Navigators, there are, there are a number of uh, groups out there working with uh, men and women in the workplace that you can connect with. You talk. You just touched on, I think, an important part, and that's community. Uh, we can't do this alone. We, you know, our faith is not meant to be uh, done just individually, but in a group and in community. How important have you found it to to be for your own uh, walk, but also as you've walked with others uh, about that community and and how that uh, shapes the ability for men to to lead the way that God intended them to. Well, I think it's very important. In fact. Um I've, I've been in, since I've been here in Minnesota, I've been leading uh, small groups of men, and I've been in small groups with men uh, various ways. 
there's one group that I started back in the uh, 80s, mid-80s, that we've been meeting weekly ever since. It's not the same group. It, it keeps getting turned over just as, well, it, it started with a, a classmate of my wife's who became a Christian uh, when he was in college uh, at the, after serving in the service. And uh, my wife didn't know he was a Christian at all. Uh, we went back to the 20th year class reunion and started talking with Dick. And as we talked, uh, I told him what I did and invited him to come to a group meeting. He came to a group meeting and because um, it was on his way to work and it was convenient for him. And then his workplace changed, and he says, I can't come to that group. And I says, well, Dick, if you get three or four other guys together, I'll, I'll come up to, to your area and meet with you. And he got some guys from his church to begin meeting, and that group has been meeting ever since uh, the mid-'80s. And it's rolled over. In fact, uh, Dick has passed away, He's, uh, and a number of the people that were in the original group have since uh, passed away. But uh, it keeps uh, keeps changing and uh, rolling over. But it's a group that I get my encouragement from, and uh, we, you know, it's been around for a long time. So it's it's been a real encouraging group. And so as you look back at, at some of the, the groups that you've been a part of, whether you've led them or just been a participant in, are there some, some stories that stand out from a transformation standpoint with, with men who uh, were a part of, of either the discipleship groups that you've been leading uh, or other groups that, uh, that will be in, of encouragement to people? Well, I, I think of uh, uh, Dick, for instance, when he, uh, when I first met him, he was pretty much uh, uh, new in his faith. He'd, he'd come to faith a few years earlier, but he was very new. And as we spent time together in the group and then individually, he began leading other groups. And he began leading groups in his church, and he began leading groups at his work. And, uh, and in fact, he worked with Honeywell, um, one of the divisions of Honeywell. And um, he shared with us at times he would say something at work and uh, one of his uh, cubicle mates, or I don't know, they they were in cubicles there, uh, and uh, one of the guys says, okay, Dick, we heard you. And he says, oh, man. (laughs) Now I have to go back and apologize. But he says, you get run yourself into certain uh, individuals. But he was a, a guy who, when he left, they uh, treated him like a king. They, they, they missed him a, a lot. But he had an impact on not only other men in his church but, and in the community, but people at work, they looked up to Dick as a real leader in the company. and. Uh, you know, he, he, he was really appreciated. Uh, another guy that I worked with, his name was Doug. After um, taking him through the discipleship series, because that's what I uh, usually meet one-on-one with guys and take him through a, a, a discipleship series. It's four 
um, books destined for intimacy, destined for uh, destined for security, destined for intimacy, destined for ministry, destined for eternity. Um, he began leading groups. He went with us on a trip to we went to Dubai that time. In fact, I didn't get to go with him. I was planning to, but I had a heart attack and uh, two months before the trip, and so I got to stay home. He went with a bunch of others, but he came back fired up, and he was leading groups uh, in his church, and he was leading groups in, in his work, and he continues to lead. And right now he's in the whole area of helping guys deal with the whole area of pornography. Because uh, that's gotten to be a real issue for men today, especially. And it's not just men now. It's men and women dealing with that whole issue of pornography. But he's he's leading uh, groups of people through how to deal with that whole issue. And he continues to do that. There have been others, too, that um, I've met with. Richard was a, a guy who worked for Wells Fargo. Uh, in he's retired now, but he was working them for a number of years, and we went through the material, and he says, Gary, I just need uh, to know that you're supporting me. And during the time we were when we were first meeting, his wife basically said to him, I'm done. And uh, so I walked with him through that whole issue of, going through a divorce. You know, I've, I've seen both the finest but also some of the ugliest things that guys have had to deal with. And it's not, it's not always easy, but be willing to go walk with them through those periods. And now he's excited about his faith. He's, um, I had the opportunity to take him and have him remarried, going through the marriage ceremony. And now he, I just asked about his sons, and he was having problems with his boys. And I says, well, do you think they'd be willing to meet with me? And I've been able to connect with one of his boys, and, and I'm walking him through just this whole area of leadership and development. But it, you, know, you begin to see how uh, life is reproducing itself. So as you think about the men in the workplace in particular, what are some of the biggest challenges that, that, uh, that they bring to you as, uh, in looking for guidance and wisdom? What are some of the biggest challenges that men are facing in the workplace as leaders? Well, I think one of the biggest things is integrity. How, how can we maintain our faith in a, a particularly a workplace that has gotten more and more uh, anti-Christian, in uh, how do we how do we even what do we say? How do we um, make a difference in something like that? Um, and some of the things going on, in uh, not only in the workplace but in our country, that uh, tends to say. Uh, demoralize, I would say, faith. And so that, that I think, is going to be the, the biggest challenge. How do we respond when we find ourselves in an um, adverse situation and we're being questioned about uh, 
what we say, what we do, and everything that we say is now being evaluated of, uh, is, it, is it right? Who's right? Who's wrong? How do we make uh, decisions that are right? And so how, uh, what, what advice do you give leaders, especially in those situations where uh, the, their integrity is rooted in their faith, and yet the, the business world around them may not uh, uh, understand right from that perspective uh, and, and the ethics that go into business and all those other things? So what do you, uh, how do you help them uh, see that the, the opportunity to lead forward uh, and use the principles of their faith in a business environment, even if they can't speak specifically uh, about their faith? How do you help them to navigate that world? That's a challenge, John. It really is, because each situation is unique. And um, I think the thing I really emphasize is, you know, getting into the Word and see what God says and having a, a strong basis of, of your faith that you can live it out even though the workplace might not value that at that time. And so finding out what God says about man, what God says about our heart, our heart are deceitful, desperately wicked, you know, and getting a true uh, understanding of who we are as individuals so that we can uh, realize that in Christ we have our, it's in him that we can have our authority, that we can have our basis of who we are. It's not in this world. This world's values don't uh, um, really keep us focused because we go all different directions. But the, I think it's pretty uh, clear that the Lord says, you know, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. So how are you loving the Lord in your workplace? How are you loving your neighbor in the workplace? And um, let, let God speak to the hearts of people too. But, you know, getting to know the heart of God, I think, is critical to be able to transfer it into the workplace. It's great advice. Um, so we we just we're we're in the midst of a of a once in a lifetime pandemic. Uh, how have you uh, seen the people that you are interacting with uh, navigate through COVID nineteen in the last uh, you know year? Uh, and and what has that done to both the ministry that you and your wife are a part of, but also the uh, the the people who are now probably. Uh, just coming out of their homes in some cases for for day to day work, uh, you know what what some of the, what are some of the things that you've experienced during that this period of time? What are some of the challenges that men have faced? Well, I think it's it's a challenge just trying to figure out what is truth in our our society. I mean, you got so many different uh, opinions coming in on this whole uh, idea of how we should be treating COVID and how. Things need to be worked out, and you got we're, right now we're very polarized, and that's what really makes it hard is uh, to even establish a, some type of consensus. I don't think there is right now, uh, and um, but I I think is for me this uh, whole thing about COVID 
that's been the hardest is isolation. Not being able to be with people, not be able to discuss things with people, not be able to even interact face to face. Because when when you're separated and you're on the screen, uh, which I think um, most people have had to be either on the phone or on, I'm, I'm sorry, move my hands. <laughs> uh, they're on the phone or they're on the screen, and it's. It's great, but it's not the same as being in person to see not only the facial uh, expressions, but also to see the body language and respond in a way that's appropriate. Uh, it's, um, there's a, it's a real challenge right now because there's no, like I say, there's really no consensus as such. We're so divided even politically, uh, socioeconomically. There's just a lot of pressure being put on people and people have a lot of questions that they don't have answers for. Have you found the opportunity in the midst of COVID to uh, to reach people that may not have uh, been uh, reachable in some cases because their lives were so crazy and busy before COVID, and then they found themselves uh, with a little bit more time than they probably did because they weren't commuting everywhere. Has that opened up doors for, for new opportunities? There are some doors that have been opened up uh, by that. I would say for myself, um, I've been able to expand some of my uh, Bible studies because we meet online. And so, um, like, one guy was in Arizona and when we were meeting at 6.45 uh, in the morning, that was 5.45 his time, but he was getting up at 5 o'clock. Well, now that we went to daylight saving time, Arizona isn't on daylight saving time, so it's 4.45, so he, he can't come. But uh, I've had people from Florida join in uh, on Bible studies. And then I've had the opportunity to be working with a group of uh a staff with crew, uh, we have a group of nine couples who are in various cities uh, in the United States, and I've had the opportunity to, to lead this group, whereas if if we wouldn't have been meeting, they'd have been by themselves isolated and uh, totally alone. So we meet uh, bi-monthly, and it's, you know, it's an opportunity to build up and help them uh, keep a perspective because isolation is not good for anyone. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, uh, it's been a fantastic uh, conversation. I've appreciated your, your time this morning uh, as we talk about faith in the workplace. Um, is, there, is there a final message you want to give to people who might be interested in learning more about what crew uh, offers here in the Twin Cities or uh, even around the world? Okay. You can uh, go to crew.org. It will give you a, a bigger vision of what crew is doing around the world because we're one of the largest uh, mission organizations in the world. Um, as far as here in the Twin Cities, if uh, you just uh, uh, want to talk, you can call me, 763-226-6223, or just email me at gary.geisler at crew.org. And Geisler is G-E-I-S-L-E-R. 
Perfect. Well, we'll make sure we get that on our uh, uh, on this podcast uh, as as well, so that people can uh, reach out. Uh, I would certainly attest to what you've done for my life. Uh, we've known each other for uh, over a decade, uh, uh, hit or miss uh, at times, based on uh, on life. But I can tell you that uh, you had a huge impact on me in a in a in a difficult period where I was trying to uh, understand what God was doing in my world, uh, particularly at work. But it had a, a massive impact on my uh, on my family life as well. So uh, I thank you for the time today, but also for your uh, ministry to myself and many other men around the, around the world. Well, thank you, Dan. It's been great. I've enjoyed just uh, connecting again. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. God bless. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit fcpservices.com. Until next time, remember. People drive growth.